It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And it's the Friday show Happy Friday, everybody You made it to the end of the week And we're here with you Here on the Locked On Celtics Podcast We're the Raining Jays I am John Corrales of MassLive.com, joined by Samuel Jamison Packard III. Jam. Also known as Ladies Love Cool Jam. Jam. A.K.A. Young Baby Jamwich. Or Little Baby <laughs> yeah, Jamwich. It's Young Baby Jamwich, but just I'm not used to the third one myself, so that's, yeah. that's a good time. So. We're gonna, by, by the time this, like, at some point you can have like ten intros. Like the whole first segment's going to be intros. Uh, That's what I hope. Yeah. Is this going to be me yelling jam 10 times in a row? That, that is what the people want. I've, I've no, gotten, no one, no one has requested that, but I, uh, we think that's what the people want. I'm going to assume because that's the thing that people keep talking to me about. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, well, whatever. We'll figure it out. You know, it's, uh, how many or however many will find the appropriate level of nicknames. We are also going to find the appropriate level of Boston Celtics talk. Because the uh, playoffs start this weekend, so uh, we'll we'll keep going with this podcast as often as we need to. Uh, obviously, on Sunday after the first game of the playoffs there against the Pacers, we'll do our usual Monday show. But there will be more, so stick with us. All of you new listeners, if you're just checking us out, make sure you're subscribing. You can get Lockdown Celtics on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Spot Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever podcast lives. You can also uh, tell your smart device in your car to play podcasts locked on Celtics. So Celtics postseason awards, we're going to kind of get into that. Celtics like the actual NBA-type awards. We're going to hand out our own awards via the taco truck. But first, let's get to some of the things that were said in practice today. The Celtics on Thursday held a practice. No practice on Friday, by the way. Uh, so uh, the, the first thing that happened is Danny Ainge spoke, which doesn't happen very often. Like It's the first time in my time on the beat that I've seen Danny Ainge show up at, a, at the practice facility to talk. And he mostly addressed the Marcus Smart thing, and I think the biggest thought, uh, the biggest thought that came out of that was that he, along with Brad Stevens, defended the decision to play Marcus Smart in that game, and also to put him back in, saying, quote, you always have to listen to the player. You sprain your ankle, and you say, I can still play, I can still play, and sometimes you can, and sometimes you go out there, 
and you go, no, I'm hurting the team, or I'm going to re-injure it. Thank goodness he ran up the court one time and back, and he knew he wasn't able to play. Uh, he goes on and on to say, basically, doesn't blame anybody other than he said Marcus Smart said he could play, and everybody said, okay, fine, go back out there. And I know this was a point of contention for Jay, and Brad Stevens also said today that you, you listen to the player. So what's let's put this to bed, because at some point there's just no point in yelling about this anymore. But they talked about it today, so what, what's your take on this? I mean, I, I have zero problems with them playing Marcus Smart in that game. Like, you just can't sit everyone. Uh, the regular season's still playing, and if you were going to make a list of players to sit, I think Marcus Smart would be probably, like, fourth or fifth on that list. Putting him back out there, uh, it feels like a, a dumb argument to have because I don't think he, like— injured himself further. And so I like in the moment I can understand you ask Marcus smart and he says he's fine. He's, and so you put him back out there. Like it didn't look great because he was writhing on the ground in pain. And so maybe uh, if the game doesn't matter, but you go to Marcus smart and you ask him, are you good to play? You have to have some faith in your player. I know like Marcus smart, you assume that he's just not going to say like, he's going to say what he can. Um, I think there deserves like Brad deserves like a little bit of criticism for just like taking Marcus Smart at his word, but at the same time, like I think he gets credit at least from Marcus Smart for for like believing him in, in that moment. But once you see him writhing on the ground in pain, and it's the third quarter of a meaningless game, maybe you make the executive decision to just be like, yeah, we don't we don't need him to come back in the game, but. I don't know. It feels like it's like a lot of uh, just analysis in retrospect where it's just if he doesn't if like if Marcus Smart doesn't have a, a freak injury where he doesn't slam into Vucevic, we're not talking about this. or We're not like no one would ever question the decision to play him in the scheme if he doesn't get hurt. And so I don't know. I think you can you can make the argument that maybe you don't put him back in the game. But ultimately, that wasn't the the thing that's led to him being out for four to six weeks it was it was a freak injury that happened in the game so i don't know how much you can you can levy like you can be very upset about it because marcus smart's not going to play in the first round of the playoffs but i don't know it feels like you're just trying to trying to put your anger on someone because uh freak injuries happen and you want someone to be the blame for it we always want somebody to blame and and i i'm closer to you than i am to some other people like there there is definitely a lot of you know, what the hell were they doing? Uh, no one is a lot. A lot of players did play in these last couple of games. And a lot of players played in meaningless games. Giannis played in meaningless games and people were, there was like a, what's he doing out there? But then the game ended and he was fine and nobody, you know, you just let it go. Most of the time when guys play basketball, they don't get injured. And this goes back to like the whole Zion thing. Like people were like wrap him in bubble wrap and, and never play him again because because his shoe blew out. Like the shoe blowing out was a freak thing. I, I will say that putting him back in looked terrible. That definitely looked terrible. <laughs> it wasn't good look. <laughs> it wasn't a good look. Um, and Especially it, because he immediately called to be removed from the game because right. he was in so much pain. Right. Like it, that was the whole thing looked terrible. Um, that. Didn't I don't think that exacerbated anything. Uh, he clearly 
just he couldn't he couldn't move and <laughs> what they should have done like the criticism that I have isn't that he played because this was their last time in a week to play basketball and sure the game was meaningless but the reps are not you go out there and you play at game speed Game speed is hard to replicate. Game defense is hard to replicate, especially against a team like Orlando that was fighting for their playoff lives. Like That's a situation where you can reasonably expect guys to go out there and play basketball and not get hurt. Like that, They played Orlando how many times? Guy, guy, you know, it, it happens. But the putting him out there again afterward, like he got hurt, and you send him in the back, and you say, all right, like if he... Make sure, because there's no point in putting him back in and risking anything. Like, he says he's okay. Let's just double-check, triple-check that he's okay. So that that looked bad. Um, Let me ask you this. Like, uh, I know you guys talked about it last night, but just I've been thinking about Marcus Smart a lot today. I've been at work, just hard at work at the in the Florida legislature, just thinking about Marcus Smart all day. And – Logically, Marcus Smart's absence, like, shouldn't make that big a deal. Like, they have Kyrie Irving, they have Mark, they have Al Horford, they have Gordon Hayward, they have Jason Tatum, they have Jalen Brown. Like, there's a lot of talent on this roster. Yes. But emotionally, it's like, oh my God, yeah. Smart is gone. Like, how do they survive? How do they continue? And so, I know you've talked about this before, but it's like maybe a day removed, maybe after talking to Danny, maybe talking to Marcus Smart's replacement, Terry Rozier. I don't know. It's just like my my heart says like Smart is gone. We are ruined. But my head was like Smart was going to be like the fifth most talented Celtic on the floor. Like it shouldn't matter that much. So I'm, I'm, I, I haven't come to a conclusion yet, but it's like – it's a real like a struggle between the heart and the head right now. Let me tell you, I, I've been writing about this. I've been finding angles to write about. I've been talking to people, and you know, we're pumping out the content on MassLive.com. Shameless plug. Go read our stuff on MassLive.com. At, at some point, I was writing this, and I'm like, I feel like I might be doing too much. Like, I feel like I might be bringing this to a point where there's so much. How are they going to deal with this? Marcus Smart, like. Like he's the star player. It's not like they lost Kyrie or Horford. And Marcus Smart is obviously he's like the heart of that defense. It's a it's not insignificant at all. It's a tremendous loss. Like he, a lot of the Celtics will say, and he has demonstrated that he can see plays coming or recognize plays or, or understand the play calls from other teams before they happen. Like he's directing things and telling guys where to go. Like that's something that's a skill that is missing and no one else on the Celtics is really doing that at that level, uh, especially not at the, on the perimeter. So that's difficult to do. He's also a great passer. He's the only guy who can throw a goddamn alley-oop. So that is a thing that they're going to miss. But like you said, there's a lot of talent there and there are ways to against the Pacers get past it. Now it's a huge hit if they get past the Pacers and get to Milwaukee because he is a guy, as I said yesterday, that can switch onto just about anybody and, and handle that person. Uh, so that, that hurts, but it's, I, I don't want to 
make this a big exaggerated thing either. Uh, before we wrap up this discussion, though, who do you think starts in his place? It's got to be Jalen, right? Like, it just it feels like Jalen's the natural guy to slide in. He can play defense and guard any really guard. Uh, he, he provides that guard defense. You, you can't start Terry. I think Jalen really needs to step up on the defensive end, not fall for every pump fake. But that was like what Marcus Smart's, I guess, I think biggest strength was, is being able to guard the other team's best guard and be just a, a physical force. And I feel like Jalen is the natural one to step in there. Um, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I got a wild card. I like wild card. Let me hear it. I got a wild card. Shemi Ojale. Start, start Shemi. Look. Put he, him on right on Bogdan. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. That is the wild card. And it's also a very Brad Stevens move. He started Shemi. Shemi was nowhere to be found in last year's playoffs. And all of a sudden he's starting against Milwaukee for the end of that series. Uh, he started Gerald Green out of nowhere against the Bulls. So Brad is known to reach for what he thinks is the right matchup. Bogdanovich, yeah, you know, maybe he doesn't handle the uh, physicality very well. You, he, if Shemi can stay in front of him, can body him a little bit, can can play him with some of that tenacity. Then Where are you putting Tatum in this uh, scenario, assuming he's also starting? Are you, like, on Wes Matthews? Um. Yeah, I mean, who does who does he guarded in the past? Like when Smart was guarding. I think he's. I think he's smart. Oh, I guess Smart has been on Bogdan Smart, as well. Smart's been on Bogdanovich the whole time, so or most of the time versus you know as opposed to switches. So um, he would play against. Yeah, I guess Matthews. Um, so whatever the everyone else kind of stays in the regular game plan, and I think that keeps everything else in play. I just happen to like it because of the matchup against Bogdanovich, just the physicality. I like that it, it doesn't add a guy to the starting lineup that needs his own touches and reps like it would Jalen or Gordon Hayward. Uh, and I like that it keeps Gordon and Jalen together coming off of the bench as a duo. I like that. And it also, if, because some people might say Gordon Hayward in this situation, it, it separates because you, you've lost the ball handler and smart. It keeps the ball handler kind of scenario in a similar similar setup rotation wise. And Brad said it's bad practice. It's his starting is not what's important to him. It's the rotations afterwards. And I think five minutes of Shemi Ojale, just five, and then. Then at the seven minute mark, Brad's been, Brad has been subbing in Hayward and Brown at the six minute mark. Well, if you do that at the seven minute mark and you shave a minute off of that and now he comes in, then he guards Bogdanovich. But then what he also gets to do is when the Pacers second unit comes in, he gets to kind of cook a little bit against them. So I'm going wild card. I, I, and I'm not going to discount the possibility of Jalen or Gordon. I'm going wild carding. I'm going to say Shemi Ojale. I'm for it. But the thing about Brad, I feel like it, he's not going to do the wild card in game one. It's going to be a nice like game three adjustment because that's classic Brad. Uh, but I'm with it. I think I think Semi is a good 
um, just defensive replacement because that's really all that the Celtics should worry about in this series is Bogdan going up because the Celtics really, I mean, the Pacers really struggle to score. I think with the front line of Baines and Horford, they should be able to contain kind of the three headed monster of um, Turner, Young and uh, Sabonis. And so I think Bogdan is the where you can hurt you. The only thing I worry about is like semi being able to come over and go over screens and having enough speed. But if it's only for six minutes, then you can adjust. And I think Jalen can come in and kind of be that more, more of a speed, more of a uh, athletic guy, but I'm all for semi semi's most improved player in the league. Anything to stop him from just uh, abusing the walls with medicine balls after the game. I think we're four. Yeah. I'm, I'm all in on this. I, and I don't know that it's actually going to happen, but for some, I, I just kind of thought about it today. and I was like, yeah, I'm in like it's suddenly just clicked and I, I'm, I'm buying it. So He's the Celtics' most improved player, according to Brad Stevens. <laughs> of course he is. Uh, why don't we take a break? We're going to come back. We'll hand out tacos. We'll do other award stuff. Um, so stick around there in the Lockdown Celtics podcast. If you are looking for baseball, baseball is happening now. Red Sox fans, if you're a Red Sox fan or a fan of somebody else, there's a Lockdown Baseball Side locked on MLB has locked on Red Sox, locked on whatever your favorite team is. Go search for them there. In addition to the locked on NFL side, where there's a locked on Patriots. So Boston sports slowly getting covered on the lockdown podcast network. Go ahead and search for locked on Red Sox, locked on Patriots, locked on Celtics on the new Himalaya podcast app, wherever you get your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe today. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA Network of Podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Before we hand out the year-end regular season tacos, just a very interesting quote from Terry Rozier that's gotten people uh, a little bit, I don't know, it's gotten a reaction out of people where he was asked about getting, he feels like he's 
more important to the series. And he's ready to step up. And he was asked, how do you feel about being needed to step up? And he says, I feel like a guy with money on the line. When it's time to get to it, I'll be ready for it. Which, wow. <laughs> Terry Rozier, always honest. He said to you after that uh, Washington game, he's like, yeah, not having fun this year. <laughs> yep. He is just laying it out there. I feel like a guy with money on the line. Like, And I feel like his problem is that he's played all season like a guy with money on the line. And he, if he had just played normal basketball, then in, instead of going off and going for his, then he would have played better and he would have gotten that money and he wouldn't be sitting here in the playoffs feeling like a guy with money on the line because that money would already be coming to him. But at the same time, he well, where did he where did he earn that money last year? It was being playoff Terry Rozier and just sure. like balling out in the playoffs. Like yeah, what he did. Is, I do you remember Terry Rozier much from like the regular season last year? Like sure he Kyrie got hurt late, but it was like really the final kind of like what fifteen games of the season. But Terry Rozier kind of got put in that upper echelon because of his performance in the playoffs. So. He does have money on the line right now, and it's like maybe maybe this is just the time to step up when he knows he's going to have like a much larger role and he know he's going to have 20 minutes a game. He's clearly been better no matter what uh, Jay King thinks. Uh, when Terry Rozier has like a more concrete role and knows that he's like if he makes a mistake, he's still going to be able to come back, he has been better. So I appreciate the honesty from uh, the young Tito Rozier. He does have money on the line because he's playing for his contract. I, I can – also appreciate the honesty. However, I think going back to what I said before the break, if Shemi Ojale gets the start and if Brad Stevens has seen enough of the regular season to say, I don't want to put this in Terry Rozier's hands, then it, well, let me, let me rephrase that. Let me start with it's Brad Stevens comment because then that would lead to, we need to play Shemi. Uh, because if he's sitting there saying, "Yeah, I, I, I'm, I've had enough. I'm sick of Terry," then Roge, then Ojale gets the start, and that keeps everything else balanced. And that means that you can still play Gordon and Jalen and Tatum and Kyrie all more minutes, and you can phase out sort of Rozier and Mook to a degree. Because I, I go back to that first Pacers game, no, not the first Pacers game, the first of these last two Pacers game, the one at home that was kind of like down to the wire, Terry Rozier played 15 minutes, and still Jalen and uh, Gordon played less than 30 minutes, they played like 25 minutes apiece, so there's opportunity there, op- opportunity there to bump up their minutes and, and take Rozier completely out, so as much as he's like ready to get more minutes, they're there's not a guarantee that he will. I mean, it's very possible that he will, but if if you start Shemi, they could easily go with very little Rogier. I still think you need Rogier for just some, like some simple, just guard defense. I know like we can talk about switching Tatum down to guarding West Matthews, but I think Matthews has a, like a, a step there. Like, I think Terry Rozier is the second best guard defender on the team after Marcus Smart. Kyrie, when he puts in that effort, we talk about how, how good he is. But I think Terry Rozier, he brings in, um, like at his best this season, we've talked about him, like picking up full court, really just being the energy presence on the defensive end. 
um, and picking up other teams' point guards or other teams' shooting guards. I just think you're going to need him, especially with Marcus Smart's absence, to play just some some simple guard defense against Matthews, Collison, uh, Corey Joseph. I like I like the idea of going to Shemi, but I, like it over some time, I don't know how long you can just keep Tatum on Wesley Matthews. I think um, maybe I'm giving Matthews and like the Pacers guards too much credit here, but there's like there's something to be said for Rozier's quickness and his ability to just like. Uh, get into the ball against guards and make it not easy to kind of run their offense. So I think he's a little more necessary uh, with smarts absence. Like I don't think you can just replace him with Shemi. Um, his shooting as well. Like he's, he is like a, uh, he's not the best shooter in the league, but he can create mm-hmm. offense. I trust him more. I trust him to make a three more than I trust Shemi. Um, like I don't, I don't think I like. I do think he's going to play a role. I think it's going to be closer to twenty points a game, but I think it's like an, an important role of just playing like intense uh, into the body defense and then hopefully making shots. But I, I, I think with Smart's absence, you I, you just can't rely on Kyrie to give you like forty eight minutes of guard defense. There has to be other guys out there who can. And I know Jalen can do a lot of that, but Jalen's just like he's also a bigger guy and not as quick. I think. Terry gives you something that no one else on the roster really has, which is a, like that just intense um, guard defense, that intense ball pressure. So I, I think he's going to have to to play some. I don't think he can be uh, just kind of a, a, a bit part, at least in this first round series. Okay, I mean, I, I I can't argue that. It's I think there's a fair enough point that you made fair points, and that's all I try through. I try to make fair points. <laughs> that's it. Um, it it's. I could see it either way. I can see it either way. Uh, and I, I do think there is value towards limiting Rogier. Uh, I do think in this situation he may need to play more, but I also see a, a very plausible path to him not playing more in this series. Maybe change, maybe it changes in Milwaukee, you know, against, uh, Drew Bledsoe. And, and that thing, maybe you, you go to Rozier in that matchup that's really going to get him juiced up and, and see how that goes. Even if you try to get Eric Bledsoe out of his own game, but for now, focusing on the Pacers, I, I can see, I can see it either way. So we'll have, just have to wait and see. All right. Let's, uh, go to year end tacos, taco truck. We've been These are tacos for the entire year. These are the most important tacos there are. Yeah, because they're like supersized tacos because they're regular season. They play, they span the entire. They're not like the little soft, like roll up appetizer tacos you get. These are like, these are like Jason Tatum tacos. These are entree tacos with bags and bags of craft mixed Mexican cheese. Yeah. So, (laughs) all right. So for those people who are new, the reason we call it the taco truck, we've been handing out like awards at the end of each week for the most part. And each year for the past few years, we've been creating a theme based on some goofy thing that's been happening with the Celtics. So uh, a couple years ago, Jalen Brown either took a picture next to a, a van that looked like the mystery machine or no, 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 no. He smoked, or... he smoked a lot of pot in that van and it was a mystery machine. If sure. We're going to just retell the story now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever it was. But so we, we, we put people, we put people on the mystery machine. And then when Bane showed up, he talked about sleeping on a houseboat. And then so we created the Bane's, Big Bane's Australian boat and put people on the boat. 
This year, it's the taco truck because Jason Tatum eats, like, tacos with a pound of cheese on each one and has been Instagramming the hell out of it. So we hand out tacos every week. That's the genesis of that. And now, because uh, this feels like something you should kick off, who is your first taco of the year? Is a very tough selection. It's not that tough. I think the tougher uh, ones come along later down the line. I like this is the year end taco. This is like really who is the the creme fraiche of this team. But I think <laughs> obviously the first taco has to go to Kyrie Irving. Like sure. the guy is going to make. Uh, you should make all uh, all NBA second team. He's had probably his most efficient year. He shot forty percent from three. Basically twenty four and seven. Um, his fourth quarter shooting stats are absurd. I've heard other people talk about it on podcasts, but just like his clutch shooting, um, he's been downright amazing. I know like people are going to knock him for his leadership things or his things in the locker room. I'm going to chalk that up to a guy figuring it out. But like on the court, Kyrie Irving has just been absolutely stellar. Uh, he's fantastic, and he. Absolutely deserves a taco. He's just been amazing for the Celtics. Yeah, I can't argue that one. And I I will just say it again because I've been saying it that I agree. This is a guy who's figuring himself out in a lot of ways. And it's easy to make fun of him. It's very easy to take some of the things he says, especially pull him out of context. And it's very easy to get on him for leadership. Like he's he has not been great as a leader. Uh, I think he's, he's a learning. bad talker. Like he's, he's just not good at explaining himself. And I don't think we can like, I'm not great at explaining myself. That's why I need like 30 minutes of podcasting a night to make like a five minute <laughs> point. Like it takes a while. Sure. But he's also learning. He's learning all of this stuff. He, he's never done this before. And I, I think there is some benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah, some of the stuff he's done and said are not great. Okay, fine. That's, that's for sure. Is it, is it but you gotta kaizen the shit out of that. You that's... gotta learn and move on. Like you gotta like take in and figure out like what worked and what didn't work, and then kind of try to get better. This is really his first opportunity at being like the guy. Because last year it was they were winning a bunch, so there's less questioning, and then he got hurt. So I re- like I respect Kyrie Irving trying to take the leadership role and now trying to figure it out on the court. Though he's been amazing. <laughs> Yes. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next taco. I think the next obvious taco is going to be so Al gorgeous Horford. eyes himself. Al Horford, who has been just, I mean, phenomenal this year. Uh, he, his hit, he's shooting his best season from two, uh, hitting 60% of his twos and also 36% of his threes, which is down from the 43% he took, he made last year. And so that there's a drop there, but his twos are up by 9%. So he's kind of, he's the Lord of the mid range. He has, there was that Adam Himmelsbach piece where he's like, Oh, he's only taken nine bad shots this entire year. Yeah. And in his, his defense has been just out of this world. He's just been, if, if he's not, and I don't think he's going to make one of the all defensive teams, but man, he really, I think he, he, he is the victim of the antiquated center position on the all defensive teams because you have 
only two center spots, and he's listed as a center. So, and, but no one thinks of him as a center. Like no one would think about big, like he's just a forward, yeah, like, yeah. But he plays center because he's there. If you look at the other four guys he started with, none of them are quote centers. But we're in the era of positionless basketball. There should be front court and there should be back court, and just list them like that. But because of this, obviously Rudy Gobert gets the the nod. He might be a defensive player of the year. Joel Embiid is going to get the nod as a all defensive center. And but Al Horford is right there, like he is right there. So he and he's just been. Amazing, stabilizing his passing. I mean, I, I can gush all day long. And, and the, the best part about this is this season has shut up all of the average owl people. Like I haven't had, I haven't had a single average owl conversation. Well, I shouldn't say that. I've had very few average owl conversations. So that's that. yeah, all you have to do is look at the on off stats when it's like the Celtics have failed. They've just been a failure when he's not on the court. It's been very bad. Like, it's been they've just not had a solution. He has been the key to any success for this entire year. And that 60 percent uh, from two point is just uh, the best of his entire career, which is kind of wild uh, for considering how many seasons he's played. Um, but he's yeah, he's just been absolutely amazing. And the Celtics have not had an answer for when he's on the court. So, of course, this man gets a taco. He he invented tacos. <laughs> All right. Third one. I third think, one. I think there's I'm, a third obvious one, probably. I'm gonna have to go with my mainest man, Marcus Smart. Yeah, that's the that's the third He's, obvious one. He should be an all defensive team uh, selection, and he shot 36 percent from three point land, which is like how many discussions have we had about Marcus Smart shooting the ball? All we asked for was league average. He was above league average. So you talk about all the plays where he's like impacts winning, all the hustle plays, all the heart that we talked about earlier. And then on top of that, he's an above average three point shooter. He's been, he's just been amazing. He's, he's been exactly what you want him to be from the Celtics because he do, does all the hustle. He does all the impact, but then he's no longer a liability from three. He's above average from three. And that's just like all you can ask for from Marcus Smart. Yeah, I mean it's great. I, I'm I'm dying. I, the injury, as much as I don't want the the, the injury for Marcus Smart, the injury is apparently delaying a piece that I've written on Marcus Smart shooting, going in depth tracking why, what the work that he's put into this. I'm dying for that piece to publish. So uh, look, there there will be more on Marcus Smart shooting. Uh, at some point soon, whenever we decide to publish that on Mass Live. So follow me on Twitter if you don't already, Red's Army underscore John. And uh, follow Sam at, uh, at Jam Packard. Uh, I will be writing no pieces, but you can, you can hear me tweet. Um, okay, so those three are obvious. The, I only have one more. I only have one more, but I'd like to hear any nominations you have. The next, I say, I think obvious, but 
I think those three are like the tier, like the top tier, obvious. You can't, you can't argue those. The next tier, I think, is headlined by Jalen Brown, who JB downtown Jalen Brown. Yeah, who has been like he had the tough start to the season. He also had that injury after he fell with his hand. Since then, he's been really, really good. Like his post All Star splits have been uh, just. Ridiculous. He's shooting 41% from three after the all-star break, 50% from the field overall. Uh, he's averaging about 14 points a game. He's averaging four rebounds. He's, he's just, I think since the all-star break and especially, uh, let's see his numbers as a reserve. Uh, he is shooting 38 percent from three as a reserve so that even takes into account his early struggles and that's still a really good number um i i think and i I just think his progress his his overall offensive game i love how he's changed how he's he drives i know i asked him earlier in the season he's like no i'm just doing the same thing but no bullshit there's he's at he's absolutely working some more euro steps in there he's changing his speeds I, i just i think that uh, and he's playing pretty good defense too. So I mean, he's I think obvious to me, but I I can hear people be like, eh, I don't know. There there are people who are who are still arguing against it. I think I think the question is how much credit do you give him for like kind of improving later in the season because the first couple of months of the season he was bad, and this is a this is an all season taco. This is not a, a taco for post all star performance, and so. To me, I don't know if he's taco worthy. I give him credit for getting better. And those numbers you mentioned post all-star break are definitely great. But if you look at the entire body of work, he really struggled early. He did not know how to deal with that kind of that starting role in the original erotic city lineup. And so I don't know if he's taco worthy. He's not, I only have one taco left and he was not who I was thinking of. Um, I see if you, you you put a lot of weight on November numbers and December numbers, sure. After that, I mean, it's January. He kind of struggled a little bit with his shooting, or I'm sorry, it's February. But after that, like aside from that, forty forty two percent in January, forty two percent in March, forty three percent in April. Uh, I, I just, I mean, this is a 2019 taco, I'm sure, but this is a. A full season taco. You got to come correct for months in a row. Who's who's who else has had the full season? Like I, I if that's the if that's if you're not going to say the improvement and getting to this point, like I think that takes into account everything. Like yes, he started slow, but he also turned it around and accepted a bench role and thrived in that bench role and has become one of the most important players for the Celtics going into the playoffs. So, yeah, he struggled early, but no other Celtic has had a full season that has been top-to-bottom, consistently taco-worthy. I, I, I would counter with the one guy I think who deserves a taco is Aaron Baines. He's not put up the numbers. He's not going to be a guy who puts up uh, a lot of scoring but they just have been better 
when he is on the floor. It feels like a lot of their losses come with times when he has been injured. And maybe you can uh, uh, kind of knock Aaron Baines for his not being um, the most durable guy. I think he's only played like around 50 games this year. But it just feels like the team uh, at their lowest points, uh, their multiple game losing streaks have come with Baines uh, being hurt. I mean, they had in early January, they had that terrible losing streak in uh, Florida. Uh, he was hurt. They lost uh, coming out of the All-Star break. They lost four games. He was hurt. It just feels like Aaron Baines has been very much a key to the Celtics' success. And so it's going to be less about uh, numbers here and more just about the, the strength of their defense with Aaron Baines on the court. I think that you've seen them, the Celtics, be more successful, especially down later in the season when they're playing both bigs. I just feel like Baines is the key. Baines is the straw that stirs the drink. I'm ready. I have a shitty beard right now, but I'm ready to get a buzz cut and just like look <laughs> like Aaron Baines for the rest of the playoffs because that's how much I believe in him. I think uh, he's like a, the undersung hero of the entire season because when he plays, the Sullocks have a pretty damn good record. And when he plays more minutes, I think it's like over – uh, 15 minutes a game, they're that much better. And so it's not a statistical argument. It's it's back to the Marcus Smart, just heart of the team argument. But I think Baines, he deserves a taco in my book just for uh, grit, tenacity, and being Australian. <laughs> the Australian bit, sure. Um, I, I can't – I don't disagree with how good he's been for the Celtics. I, I, it, I have a real tough time. With the guy who's played 51 games, it, for so much of this season has not included Aaron Baines, and so this is a full season taco, and there is a a very large percentage, I'd say about 40 percent of this season or so that didn't include Aaron Baines. So I mean, you want to give him like 60 percent of a taco, then sure. I mean, I'm I'm with it. I just think he's uh, he's no. been very important. Okay. I, it's tough at this point. You're right. We we clearly there's clearly a top three, and then after that, it's a it's a debate. And I think Jalen's a, a a great nominee. I think Baines is a great nominee. But after, like after that, I don't know. Did here's the question: Is does anyone after that deserve a taco? Does Jason Tatum? I'm looking at Tatum's numbers right now. He is the taco truck. He is the name of the taco truck. It's he's the reason I, we have a taco truck. It's very difficult because I think if you look at his numbers outside of his rookie season, it's like, man, that's just a very solid second-year player who's done a lot to contribute and is a solid scorer, rebounds a lot, is pretty good defensively. But with the expectations of the rookie year and how great he was the rookie year, he's like he's doomed by his own expectations. Like the He's Taco J, and we have all the expectations for him, and so – it's difficult because uh, it, you you can't kind of take away the expectations that he's had, like you you had coming into this year when you're talking about Jason Tatum. Yeah, he's had he's had a better year than people realize. Um, oh yeah, he's been he's been like he's been pretty solid, but I feel like there's so many people are selling stock on Jason Tatum because he didn't take yeah, the same leap he did in his rookie year. But the, and and that's that's just being a victim of expectations. If you just put those numbers. Side to side, if you did the Twitter thing where you just anonymously put these numbers side to side and say, okay, here's the first year, here's the second year, and you'd look at it and be like, that's not bad. 
that's a nice little progression. You know, his, if you look at the per game, his, his minutes went up a little bit by like one, not even, he played almost the same minutes, a little bit more. Um, his shooting wasn't quite as good. And that was mostly because of a dip in his three point shooting. And then his, but his other numbers are actually better. And if you, if you go to the standardized per 100 possessions, just to kind of even everything out, his, his, obviously his shooting, whatever, but he's, his rebounding has gone up. His assists have gone up. Uh, the advanced numbers, his defensive, his rebounding percentage, his total rebounding percentage, his assist percentage have all gone up. His steal percentage is about the same. His block percentage is about the same. Fewer turnovers with a higher usage rate. Like all of those numbers say he made a nice step forward. And there are people who are going to sit there and argue in all seriousness that he regressed. And that's, that's just well, it's because he, he, he didn't start the year shooting 50% from three for the first three months. Like his, right. his rookie year last year was absolutely insane. And so I, I, I can understand his shooting numbers be down, but like, all the rest, he's made the normal jump. So I'm, I feel like I'm working myself into a lather of wanting to give this guy a taco right now. But I'm going to give him know. a taco just because he made us the taco truck. Like he's it is his it is his taco it's his truck. Thing. It's Taco Jay's family feedback. <laughs> uh, I do have an Uncle Mo's shirt. <laughs> uh, the but I, I think Tatum has done fairly well, and and you people just don't take into account his role last year. He was very happy to be a secondary, like, I'm just going to sit back. I'm not going to get in the way. I'm not going to try too hard as far as like going for my own offense, mostly catch and shoot guy. And he just, he benefited from that. And this year he was very much looking for his own offense and he's discovering himself on the court. And I think there's some element to some things worked, some things didn't. He, Got away from the mid-range shot, I feel like, as the, as the season progressed. So he, a lot of the early Kobe Bryant influence mid-range shots kind of went away. They gave way to more driving later in the season, a few more free throws later in the season, or at least more games where he got free throws later in the season. So he's slowly figuring out who he is as a player. Everybody wants linear progression. Everybody wants rookie year to be this. Then they want sophomore year to be this. And then they want his third year to be this. And if it doesn't follow their exact plan, then it's his fault and not the person who put the expectation on him. I say that a lot. The expectations of Jason Tatum were high. Sure, I get why they were high, but it didn't work out that way. And it's not his fault necessarily. It's just how it is. There's no fault to be had. It's just how the season went. and. Basically, it was a good season for him. It wasn't an all-star season for him, but it was a good season, and it was See, progression. That's, that's it, but is that a taco-worthy season? It was good, but it was it taco-worthy? That's what we're trying to come up with I here. Just don't, I and just so, don't know how I can keep a taco away from Jason Tatum. I feel like he's just going to take it anyway. He is Taco J, and that gives him a lot of um, leeway here. And so I ultimately will agree with you. He deserves a taco. He deserves to put three bags of Kraft macaroni, <laughs> not macaroni and cheese, just Kraft cheese on it. But, that would be gross. Actually, no, it might not be. It might be uh, delicious, but uh, 
I ultimately lean towards giving him a taco because his name is Taco J and he anointed himself Taco J and he has to get credit for some sort of a creativity in that regard. Sure. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that I went with Jalen Brown off the top of my head before Tatum. Jalen Brown, I think, did did have the better year. I mean, I went with Baines before Tatum, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, if you look at if you just went by scoring, Tatum was the team's second leading scorer this season. Um, so, well, third, if you count R.J. Hunter's 17 points against the Washington Wizards. But no, second second leading scorer this season at 15.7. Um, so he was the second leading scorer of the Celtics. That, that says something about what kind of season he's had. So anyway, uh, any other, I don't think there's anybody else. No, maybe, maybe Brad Wanamaker. (laughs) (laughs) He was always good when he played, but no one else really. No, I think Gordon Hayward, uh, because it's a season award, I don't think we can give it to anyone else. I think just because Mook had like, a great first couple of months. Gordon Hayward's been good the past couple of weeks. Uh, but in terms of consistency across the entire season, I just, no one else can, can really fill in. Uh, maybe honorable mention, uh, to time Lord for just, uh, rocking out loud and being a dope ass motherfucker. He was, he's great. <laughs> he is so great, man. He's, he's, the, he's so cool. He's so funny. I mean, he's, he's quiet and he's, sometimes he's just like mumbles a little bit, but like when he, he's just, I don't know, man, he's funny. He, he's always like when we were in Charlotte, uh, he and Kyrie were playing one-on-one and I was, I was off talking to Al Horford and I came back out and after he's like walking past me and I said, did you win? And he's like legitimately pissed. He's like, nah, man, he cheated. Like, just, <laughs> it's just funny. It's just the delivery. He's like, any he point, like points back at him. Like, and it's, it's just, it's just really funny. Like it's all right. I'm going to give him a taco for being a dope ass motherfucker. Sure. And so, I like, yeah, why not? I like, I like in uh Jay King on the athletic did a like player poll inside the locker room. And he's just like, I like fucking with people. I just like, <laughs> And he turns around and calls Terry Rozier a little brother, and Terry's like, "Ah, oh, stop playing, man." And he's like, "See, ya? I'm fucking with you, man." I watched Jay do those interviews. Those guys were having a blast with each other, and and uh, the Time Lord's just right in the middle of it. So, yeah, man. I mean, Time Lord can go back in time and invent tacos himself. So, and for getting uh, Mike Gorman to embrace his uh, weird Celtics I mean, Twitter nickname, it's just like he deserves some credit. For if, just being a cool guy about it. Hey, if we're going to be doing this, then a taco definitely has to go out to the Riffs man because he's the guy that did this. Yeah, no, Riffs man deserves that taco. He all hail, praise be to the Riffs man. I mean that we had that like argument between like normal t- Celtics Twitter and weird Celtics Twitter, and apparently there are factions that I, I don't know. It's I can't keep track anymore. Now the factions are just like weird 16 year old people who call me baby boomers and DMS and it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, they, they didn't get Mike Gorman to say time Lord during Celtics games. So that's a huge, there's a huge notch in uh, the Riffs man's you know, belt. So, I mean, come on. Like that's, that's hey, a Riffs man deserves to eat, man. That guy deserves a taco for being the kind of the, the spiritual guru for this entire season. It's been a tough season. And so uh, he deserves a taco. 
All the meme lords out there uh, deserve a taco just for giving us content the entire year. Um, but you're right. I think I think it all really comes back to the riffs, man. Being cool, laying down some cool riffs, uh, and just basically propelling uh, the Celtics to hopeful victories by posting. It's going to post our way through it. Before we wrap it up, uh, were there any – is there anybody besides Smart that's going to get anything postseason award-wise? I don't think so. Like Smart, all defense. Oh, Kyrie. Second I think Kyrie, Kyrie, you listen to all the podcasts and all the other people talking about it. I think Kyrie will probably get all, second all team, NBA, NBA second team. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. Like Steph Curry, James Harden feel like mm. the obvious first choice. And sure. Dame Lillard. I've heard other people's arguments, but like I can't think of any other guard who is better than Kyrie. Like, I think he has clearly been the fourth best, people, perhaps third best, but I can't think of anyone else. People are going to be assholes and leave him off their ballot because they are, you know, something about... Because of, like, or, leadership bullshit, yeah, but like, that's just, like, on. him not knowing how to talk to the media. It's yeah, just, like, like, such a... It's not the same thing. But it's a media award, and, and there's too many guys in the media that take shit personally. Like, they, they just really do. And, like, I I'm in there, too. And I have some frustrations with certain guys that like, but I, I can't let that like, okay, you don't want to talk to me. That's all right. So does that mean you're not deserving of something? Like I can't be a dick like that. Like stop. If, if somebody's being a dick, even if somebody's a total dick in the media, like you can't let that be something that colors you or whatever your opinion is. And, and that's not exactly their argument. I know that their argument is more like he, uh, they, they think that he's the source of locker room discord. I don't think that's the case either. I see him with everybody in there. It's not like he's off by himself. He had that one no, he's, stretch, but he's not the reason the Celtics have struggled this year. I think a lot of the reason the Celtics have struggled this year is just because they have too many guys for too few spots. And the guy who's supposed to be their second best player has just not been that person. And so there's like, it just feels really weird to blame Kyrie for all of that and to keep him off all NBA second team when he's been probably at the best. I think actually his best statistical season might've been last year, but he got hurt. But like, he's really just shooting at uh, an efficiency. That's just um, kind of insane. And so to keep him off the team, uh, all NBA second team is absurd. That's, that's, that's silly. I mean, he's, he's clearly been one of the top, top guards in the, in the NBA. So whatever uh, that's it. So yeah, smart, smart's going to be on most, I think, First or second team all defense ballots. So it'd be interesting to see if he, uh, gets first team. I, obviously I think he deserves first team and that's it. There's no, nobody else. Okay. So we'll wrap it up. We'll just wrap it up and say playoffs start this weekend. Stay tuned. Uh, I'm not 100% sure exactly what we're going to be doing as far as, uh, podcasts over the weekend, but we will step up our game. Because there are games over weekends, and we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about them and give you guys that playoff content. We are stepping up our playoff game, so make sure you are subscribing to the Locked On Celtics podcast, either on the new Himalaya podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts live. You can do that when you get in your car. You can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Celtics. Do that. 
Also, check out the Locked On NBA podcast. We have Eastern and Western Conference previews. I hopped on the Eastern Conference preview with Tony East of the uh, Locked On Pacers. Good guy. We did a quick preview there, so check that out. And all you regular subscribers, give us that five-star rating, a good review, and share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.